neck at the bottom of the stairs. Tripped and fell, they said, but we knew the truth. Knew the ghost had taken her by her bald head and hurled her down, just like he'd stuck that wiener in Mr. Ritchie's throat and kicked that music teacher off the roof. And now these guys moving in, thinking they'd got themselves a deal at $11,000. Assholes, said Bobby. I gave it nine months, I said, and wondered which one would go. It was a family this time, a full set. Mom, dad, three sons. The oldest kid was our age, then maybe a sophomore, and a who-gave-a-crap little one. The mom was muddy with freckles, and the dad looked like Ed Sullivan, all teeth and lips and eyes that wouldn't blink. The oldest kid seemed like he'd taken a few face knocks on the football field. My guess is it'll be the jock gets it, I told Bobby. Shut up with your bullshit, he said. All the girls got pretty fired up about Pete Marshall. He even caught Nancy's eye, which was hard to take. She didn't come by too often since Jeannie got hitched, but there she was, sitting in our kitchen, brown thighs squashing against the wicker chair, and you could see it pressing its patterns into her. Jeannie had given her Charlie to hold, and as she bounced him, her breasts rolled like water balloons. Two trails of lime snot ran down to Charlie's lip, but nobody cared to fix it. Who's that? said Nancy, watching Pete Marshall wipe his face with his shirt on the slowdown from his run. They the new neighbors, Kip? asked Jeannie. The Marshalls, I said. He's cute, said Nancy, tickling Charlie under his armpit and making him screech. Nice and strong looking. Think he needs breaking in? Nancy, not in front of the boys, said Jeannie. And Nancy laughed, but she was looking at me, and she had a question in her face. Screw you, Jeannie, I'm not a kid, I said, and gave her the finger as I turned away. I went to my room and locked the door and laid down, and just as it was happening, I heard Nancy burst out laughing in the next room like she knew. It turns out Mr. Marshall was a Bible thumper. Well, Pete Marshall was a natural-born troublemaker, smashing up those commandments one at a time, drinking and stealing and coveting and no honoring at all. He had to hide it, though, or get the shit beaten out of him by his dad. The guy can beat the music out of your soul, Pete said. And if anybody else had said that kind of thing, Bobby would have smashed their nose. But Pete Marshall was different. He could say things the rest of us couldn't. By the time school started up again in the fall, the three of us were pretty tight. We left school at recess and hid out in Bobby's garage, drinking my dad's buds and smoking grass Pete had bought from some guy on roller skates at the beach house. Pete always brought something special with him. Shook it out of his bag with real ceremony, like one of those showgirls with a prize on Let's Make a Deal. Playboys, Marlboros, premium saltines, and melted Borden's golden vanilla ice cream that we drank straight from the carton. Whole days blood away that way. They say when you bleed to death, you feel cold and light and sick. And that's just how it felt when night folded around us and Pete's mom called him for dinner. Sometimes Pete would disappear for a couple days, and next time we saw him, he'd be beat purple, and he'd say he was going to murder his dad. What we didn't get was that Pete was bigger than his dad. Could have taken him any day, but just let it go ahead. You know what's going to happen. I said one day when Pete's bedroom drapes had been closed for three days straight. What? said Bobby. One day Pete's going to get mad and he's going to take his dad's rifle 
and he's going to shoot him in the back. You and your bullshit, said Bobby. I was wrong, I said. It's not going to be Pete that goes, not right away. It'll be his old dad bleeding his Jesus blood all over dead Daisy's lawn. And then they'll take Pete away and gas him at San Quentin. Pete wouldn't shoot anyone in the back, said Bobby. Bobby never got to see what happened, because one of those nights, after Pete had been called to his beef stroganoff and the CBS Friday night movie had already started, it was the Alamo, Bobby got into his rambler, stuffed with smoke and graham crackers, and drove straight into the eucalyptus tree on Noriega. The car smashed so hard it made the tree bleed, and they only knew it was Bobby from the plates. Those days after what happened with Bobby, Pete stopped getting hit so much by his dad, and Jeannie came by more. If I held Charlie, she would make her special casserole, and we all sat together.